listening to Soul Crush, a podcast dedicated to spirituality, sexuality, and sharing stories that inspire the soul. We release an episode each new and full moon devoted to healing the shame that binds us and illuminating the infinite possibilities and courage of the human spirit. We recognize infinite universal divinity as who we really are and help move others away from ideas and beliefs around God and love that are oppressive. We support the fullest expression of our soul's highest callings to be of service in this world. This is a celebration not of the I or of the me, but of universal love and reverence for the earth that we walk upon. I am your grateful host, Adriana Rizzolo, and I am humbled and honored to be here with you all. moon everybody today's episode of soul crush i'll be having a conversation and we'll share a little bit of practice with an old friend of mine from new york city named bob dotto bob is the owner and director of the ditmas park yoga society in brooklyn bob is a prolific writer and speaker on the intersection of spirituality and society having published innumerable articles zines and pamphlets on the subject. He's a founding member of a renegade yoga blog, the Babarazi, which explores how the commercial yoga culture functions in the U.S. He was the managing editor of internationally acclaimed journal of religious studies, Parabola, and was the founding member of the elusive post-punk band, SPR-CSS. Bob received his MFA in writing and poetics from Naropa's University's Jack Kerouac's School of Disembodied Poetics in 2002 and is a graduate of the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine. His book, Press Here, Acupuncture for Beginners, comes out in the fall of 2018. I've been super inspired by Bob over the years. He just has so many different ways that he's able to create and to connect and his his blog that he used to do, the Babarazi, was just hilarious and brought so much truth to the yoga world um, that it was really needing. I'm so excited to share this episode with you today, and I'll start with the beginning of one of my favorite songs that was written and performed by Bob. Oh, I've left these seeds for you, bird, that you might decide to choose, bird, this window is your home when you do, bird, decide to sing your tunes, bird. I just need to sing and to breathe, sir. And there's nothing else more that I need, sir. As all things pass at their own speed, sir. Well, 
Welcome back to Soul Crush. Um, today, my soul crush is Bob Dotto. Hi, Bob. Hello, Adriana. Um, I was trying to remember how we met. Do you have any idea? Um, how did we meet? Goodness, that's a really good question. I mean, I feel like we might have met at a show, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. I, I feel like it would have been... Although it wouldn't have been yoga, I don't think, because we don't, we never really lived in the same areas. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't either. My earliest memories of you, because I was trying to trace them back, were either like going to some event at your house, you know, like one, like maybe like one of those, those holiday. Yeah. Thing. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That might have been it. Or, I remember going to like sex parties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could have been that too. It could have been that too. I was like, those are my memories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been that. I, for some reason I thought it was, yeah, I guess it was one of those. Either yeah. way, we had, an, we had some sort of uh, exciting or, uh, you know. I have, I mean, obviously I have a much more mundane <laughs> I thought it was like at like a coffee shop, but I guess it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, I have to rethink. I have to think back. Yeah, I have my memory from back then is not super great. It comes back more and more as I somehow as I get older. Um, so you know who knows. But okay. in any mm -hmm. case, um, we both uh, Bob and I both have we both did practice and Bob still lives in New York and um, I met him somehow through um, mutual friends, I guess, um, in Brooklyn um, yes. when I used to live there. Mm -hmm. yes. So I'd love to just start by um, asking you to share with us your, your let's share your journey, uh, like the beginning like how, of your journey with yoga and or spirituality. Not that I need to like separate those two, but I also feel like I kind of do in this world. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, but the spiritual, the spiritual stuff I got into pretty, I mean, I guess pretty young. I was, um, I mean, I was always into like psychology or psychological things, even mm -hmm. like as a young, young kid, you know, like 10, 11, 12, something like that. And then um, when I was about like 15 or so, I started to, I mean, the, I think because of the music I was interested in, which was like alternative kind of music, um, you get some of those, some of that stuff filters in, some of the yeah. spiritual stuff filters in. So I was listening to like a lot of like New York bands like Sonic Youth and mm. some of those No Wave bands and stuff. And, and not that they were spiritual in nature necessarily, explicitly right. though, but you know, you hear things. Um, and then I was interested in like punk rock stuff um and playing in bands and certainly in that world there was a lot of spiritual discussions happening and there was like Hare Krishna's floating around mm -hmm. um, when I was interested in that so when I was about 15 or 16 I kind of got interested in like Buddhism just from a few books and then I said that was my first sort of like um my first sort of like different how I differentiated myself because there was when I was playing in this band when I was 17 or something um, 
there were a lot of Hare Krishnas, like I said, floating around. And then I was sort of the Buddhist guy. So I decided I would be the Buddhist and they would be the Hare Krishnas. And then we just argue about stuff back. And forth. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was like my shtick. Then. Um, what, but yeah, that, the, what would that argument sound like? <laughs> you know, it was like some, I'm sure it was very embarrassing to think about now, but I'm sure it had something to do with like God, the nature of God or something. And like Buddhism, I thought was kind of atheist at the time, which I mm. thought was kind of cool. And um, then, and uh, yeah, but I loved the Hare Krishnas. I mean, I remember when I got my license, I got my first car and I put all my stickers, I had all my stickers ready to go for my car like before I even had the car, it was like a neighbor's old Buick. And, you know, I put all these like hardcore stickers on the car and like there was some Hare Krishna stickers. And the first thing I did, I remember my girlfriend at the time, we drove up to Tawako, New Jersey and went to the Hare Krishna temple there. Mm. Um, I remember it was a Wednesday because that was when they had their, their free meals. Oh yeah. So that was the first trip I took in my car was to a Hare Krishna temple. Um, and yeah, I just sort of befriended one or two people up there. Um, so that's where it sort of started. And then I, but I immediately got interested in like, I, I was reading Choygyam Trungpa at that point because a, a person in my, my high school gave me a book of his and, mm. and, you know, it just went into this huge arc, you know, I was interested in that. And then that led me to um, just other aspects of like the Hindu tradition. And then that led me to the Sufi tradition. And then I got mm. really interested in Islam for a while, like heavily interested in that. And then, it was always just this kind of arc of going out, knowing that eventually I should like come back and relook at the things that I grew up with and just mm. kind of look and see that. So that was, that was the arc that I knew was happening even then. Yeah. Um, but it just took a while to kind of get there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, but I tried it all. I mean, I tried it all. Yeah. You know, like everything I could, I, I'm obsessed with it. I'm yeah, obsessed with it. It's one of my favorite things about you. I mean, I don't know you that, that well, but just, you know, knowing you as a, even, you know, from afar is just like, I'm always, I always feel so connected to you for that reason. Cause I can really relate to that. Just like wanting to know, you know, like all of it, you know, you're just like, well, give it all. You're like, give me it all, you know? And like, mm -hmm. what is, you know, and, and all like inter, you know, um, spirituality and just the, and I think like the common, the commonality between you know all the different religions and all the different um yeah like systems you know it's just so it's it's so fascinating to me and um i really like what you said about then kind of circling back around to where to what you were raised with and i'd love to hear a little bit more about that mm -hmm. well i mean i always knew that I, I somewhere i picked it up early on I was, I, I don't know where I got the sentiment from, but I remember thinking, I remember being into like Zen. I was like really into like Zen Buddhism, just, you know, as a kid. And, and so, and I thought that was really exciting and esoteric and strange and, and mm. confusing, but, but very attractive. And I remember thinking, oh, but kids in Japan probably aren't as into it as I am because that's probably stuff that their like grandparents or their parents do. Just like my, I was like not interested in what my parents raised me in, which was Catholicism. So yeah. I was like, I, something about that I knew that like there was something exotic about it that was keeping me interested in it. And I just, in the back of my head, I was always like, 
you know, you should, you should come around and see what's in your sort of root tradition or whatever, your family tradition. Um, so over the past, maybe, I mean, I've always kind of been interested in the weirdo mystical side of the, of the Christian stuff. Um, but I, I was more willing to kind of in, embrace it, but kind of embrace it in a way, um, like maybe 10 or 15 years ago. 10 years ago, probably more so, um, mm-hmm. where I just started really investigating that and just seeing like what's there. Um, because I always just felt like, I, I also always felt that there was a language barrier between mm-hmm. the, the other traditions. You know, um, I knew that the language is so important to so many of these traditions and the Hindu tradition, especially where the language itself is a spiritual practice, speaking the language. And so I always felt kind of, well, no matter how, into it I get I'm always going to be one removed because it's not my language you know right. that I don't know Sanskrit I don't know Hindi I don't know Urdu you know I tried to learn Arabic you know like yeah um so to me that was really important you know because the language has got so much of the magic in it so um and that's what I studied in school and in graduate school was, was language and writing um mm-hmm. so uh so You're anyways, writer, by the way. Oh, thank you. So, oh, thank you. Yeah, it feels so good to read your writing. I was like oh, doing you. my little research today and I was just like, oh my God, I like haven't really read a lot of stuff that you've written in some time. So it was really nice. Mm-hmm. Really oh, nice. great. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Writing has, has been a big part of what I do since, again, since I was really young. I mean, really, mm-hmm. really young, even as a, as a toddler. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... So eventually, yeah, I came back to this kind of like family tradition and, and it was, I really was like, I, I, this is our tradition, those of us who are raised there. So yeah. we have a, we have a right to it, you know, and we have a right to interpret it how we want. Whereas we don't necessarily have, we have the idea of having a right to interpret a, a culture that's other than our own is a little bit tricky, can be tricky. Yeah. Um, uh, but that said, um, the tradition that I was raised in, I have every right to do whatever I want with it. <laughs> I can, it's mine. I can do what I want. So, yeah. so I, um, I thought that that was a pretty radical thing. And I thought that would be very radical for people like me yeah. to do that, to say, okay, why don't we go back to yeah. what we were raised with and actually it's all there. Right. I mean, anything you want from anywhere else in the world is there and it's right. available to you. It just have to, it's just a bit frightening and uncomfortable to look at because, you know, it's the thing we ran away from. So yeah. Ago, you know, so. Yeah. And I think in, in, in my experience, cause I can, again, really relate to that and the journey of, you know, going so deep into, um, you know, the mystical and, and spiritual traditions of India and like, yeah, having that initial, barrier made me feel closer to God because mm-hmm. everything that I was, or not everything, <laughs> I'm so dramatic. <laughs> everything that I experienced as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, a lot of stuff, you know, really sucked. And so, mm-hmm. you know, like to be like, that is not God. Like there's no God, there was no God there. Like I went to church, but like fucking God was not showing up, you know? And like, initially that was my feeling. And so being in like a foreign place and having the direct experience of feeling spirit, you know? And I also just never felt that, I don't think as a child that I knew of, except when I like looked at the stars through my telescope, that was like the only way I really felt like 
safe and like there was something out there that end in me that was like okay mm -hmm. <laughs> um you know me and the big dipper or whatever mm -hmm. and and then yeah and i feel like now a lot in the past few years especially for me of really like embodying a lot of the things that i've learned over the years of doing yoga and a lot of i guess the things that i've experienced um doing practicing yoga and meditation and having you know these these practices that really work but like really bringing them into my present life and moment and like adriana's thing you know as opposed to just being like this adriana needs to just totally die and like then i'll find god you know which mm -hmm. is still my experience too <laughs> but you know how do i bring that in and i feel like it's this very at least from my perspective this kind of divine feminine way of like integrating you know the the awakenings that we have and integrating the the knowledge and the expansive con consciousness into where we are now and like who we are in in these bodies and with these personalities or whatever and mm -hmm. i feel like that that also has led me to this journey of like looking at catholicism again and like really it's not even like i did it on purpose it just started happening like i started having like experiences of you know and really feeling this connection i mean i've always kind of felt a connection to jesus anyway just because he like looks like all the men that i'm attracted to or whatever <laughs> but like so obviously there's gotta be something there <laughs> but like that feeling of like oh right like and and like the this mary magdalene kind of energy coming like into my world from different women that i was studying with and and just starting to feel like oh this like almost like a redemption there was like i like it was like i was having the jesus experience or something in the past few years that helped me to understand what the what what it was talking about because i think when i was there in person as a kid i don't know that many people that were like really living that truth of like living through the the power of like forgiveness and unconditional love and redemption and like mm -hmm. actually changing you know and like experiencing those things so yeah yeah i, I mean sorry go ahead no go ahead um yeah i mean i think it's it's i think for many people maybe most people it's necessary to kind of you have to step back and go to other places to kind of get your head straight and like have the experiences because they're not so close to you. You know what I mean? Like uh, you, they're not so coded into the secular world. So if you go to India, it's you, you're able to actually be both in it and out of it at the same time. So yeah. you can kind of experience like the richness and all that. But like, you know, a Hindu kid, you know, an Indian kid, like they grow up like we do, you know, they're like kind of into it, but they're also like, I don't know. It's like stuff my grandparents do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, it's a secular world in a lot of ways. You know? How much that can, and how much that perspective taints or gets in the way of our experience of God. Like, I remember being in India with one of my friends who grew up there and like going to this temple and being like, just getting like shocked, blasted and like feeling like, you know, just like totally like, oh my God, this place is amazing. Like super tuned into this energy, you know, and he's just like, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, like he was just like bored. Like he was like how I would be at church, like going through the motions and like getting the bread and like whatever, you know, and then 
and, and like, I remember being like, what? Like so confused and how much like, I really feel like why all that stuff comes from us, you know, or like going to see certain like gurus that would come to town and I'd be like, go there, like, God, I need help. Like, like this teacher's going to help me, you know? And then I'd go and I'd have this like really amazing experience. And then like my friend that I would be like, that person was totally full of shit. And like my friend who I really respect as like someone on the path as well, you know, and be like, that lady was like a fake guru, you know? And I was like, well, I was like totally, <laughs> totally into it. Mm -hmm. um, and also the last thing I'll say about that, I just feel like how much of it is like, I guess like part, like our, just our perspective and what we put into it, but like how interesting then like recently I went to a Christian church and like singing these songs to Jesus and, and also feeling that same Shakti, you know? And like, mm -hmm. I don't know, I'm curious, like if it's like literally just like an openness and a willingness to feel that spirit in whatever it is that we're doing, you know, as opposed to like waiting for something on the outside to actually be like, oh yeah, this is it, you know, or like, or is that a real thing? Like sometimes Ramdas talks about like, like how, and I wanted to ask you about this too, of like the difference between like religion and spirituality, but also like, what is it that like makes it I don't know if you can answer this, but what yeah. is it that gives it that spirit? Like, I know I've gone to your house and you've done these, like you've, you do these traditions and you hold that like energy of spirit alive. And I think that that's what, at least for me, like what it's about, you know, that's what walking a more conscious path or just, you know, wanting to be open to getting free in these ways that yoga, I feel like helps us do it. That's what it's about is about that experience of spirit. And I feel like you hold that. So curious like what you feel about that and also the difference between religion and spirituality if you feel like there is one or yeah i mean i think religion is like the cultural um religion gets a bad rap you know like the whole i'm spiritual but i'm not religious kind of stuff yeah. and but religion is just it's a cultural it's a cultural container religion is culture so like it just is like there's no real like people think that there's an end to it or an edge you know, where it stops and then all of a sudden it becomes spirituality or something. Mm. I don't really think so. I mean, religion is like, it's like the cultural, it's the culture's body of living the spiritual tradition with certain codes of conduct. Like that's what it is, you know? So what, you know, to tell, to be able to say where that begins and ends is, is very difficult. Spirituality is well, it depends, like how we define spirituality is just kind of like the, the way we define it is like the good stuff of religion without all the bullshit. Like that's kind yeah. of like, that's as good of a definition as you can get. The <laughs> spirituality as a, as a term tr historically and traditionally has to do with spirit. It has to do with literally like, mm. whether it's the Holy Spirit or just the, the, the concept of spirit actually in, in, infecting the body invested in the body um and having that experience um that is a true that's how it's defined as a spiritual experience it's a, the experience of spirit alive in the body at least how mm -hmm. i've understood mm -hmm. um and religion is like the codes you know which i think are important Re religion gets a bad rap when it's your own when it's someone else's it's cool you know mm -hmm. that's the other thing it's like you know the hindu tradition traditions are religious traditions like right they are vast and varied but 
they are full-on religious traditions with all the same patriarchal bullshit that's everywhere else right and like you know you know what i mean so yeah so, i'm glad you're saying that because i find myself doing that as a way to like help people get on board or something like you're bringing something up that i feel like i do a lot that would be is interesting for me to explore more you know because i feel like i do discount religion i mean i totally discount religion and yes and not even in my own path like in my own path i don't have a problem i well i guess my own path is also holding space for other people but in my personal connection to god i i'm i'm like happy to religion i'm like great like any all of it you know but mm -hmm. i think when i'm working with people as a as a yoga or you know as a as a facilitator for people's healing and transformation and connection to god it, i yeah i will like kind of i'll say that a lot you know where i kind of like discount religion so that way mm -hmm. people can kind of get over that resistance or whatever you know well, yeah, I mean, forms feel very static, so they're easy to bump up against. And spirituality is, feels very fluid, so it's like, oh, there's more room to grow, and, and that's true. I think, I, think there's, I think the whole religion versus spirituality concept is a symptom of what's going on. I think it's, it's real, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, but yeah, so, so I would say the same thing to someone the, mm -hmm. if I were talking to them about their spiritual path or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I would also say that like the, everything's in flux. The religion feels more static because it in a way is because it has like centers to it, you know, mm. like central points. There's the Vatican or there's like, you yeah. know, um, the Eastern Orthodox, you know, there's, it has posts mm -hmm. that make it, you know, that things refer back to. So it keeps things a little bit static feeling. Yeah. But like I said, if it's your tradition, you have a right to define it, you know? So, um, and, and luckily if you're interested or anyone's interested in like the Christian tradition as a whole, yeah, there is so much, uh, rebellion within it. Yeah. So much that there's <laughs> so many examples of people be, I mean, you have like everything from the Adamites, who are like, who I find very attractive. People don't even know if they really existed, who are like, we don't wear clothes, nothing is a sin, <laughs> you know, free love, have sex with anyone you want. And this is early, this is like 300 AD, you know, them saying that, Wow. you know, to like, you know, the 1500s and stuff where you have levelers and diggers and ranters and all these people being like, you know, in England and Europe, you know, so there's just so much, it, yeah. the, the, the precedent is already there you know, yeah. for rebellion within the tradition. Um, you just have to want it. You don't have to want it, I'm just saying, but if you want that, you need right. to want that. You yeah. Know, if you want yeah. to get into that tradition, you just have to want to do that. And it's a bit frightening, uncomfortable. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it's all there. Do you, um, yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the, the nature of, of rebellion, I mean, I just, I feel like it's so innate, like in, I don't know, I think in, in many traditions, it's like I, I, the nature of evolution or the nature of expanding our consciousness. Like there, I feel like there, there has to be some level of that. There has to like some level of like wanting to rebel against what we, what we know in order to be able to have some, some other experience in itself. Um, mm -hmm. 
But I'd love to talk about free sex. Okay. I think. Okay. What about um, it? <laughs> Well, it's more like this. This is what I want to talk about. Because um, I do want to bring in like the topic of sex and spirituality a lot on this podcast. It's kind of one of my intentions. Mm -hmm. um, but I personally still feel like super awkward about it. Um, okay. Not all the time, but like in this moment, I feel like, I don't know, 10% awkward about it. Like I can't ever totally get to the, what the direct question is. Um, okay. <laughs> but I just know it's important. And one of the things that came up um, for me when I was, I was recently like talking to somebody about Mary Magdalene and just that, you know, that they, that she was portrayed as a prostitute because of, um, because of like the story, and I could be totally wrong, so I want to hear your perspective on this for sure, but because of the stories of her being a sinner that then the the kind of church fathers like made her into a prostitute just because there was like that she sinned and they assumed the sin was that was was sex for some reason, and so I'm just like and I just love. Uh, I, I just want to hear more about if you have any kind of insights on, you know, Mary Magdalene, but also just on like the feminine in spirituality and like where sex comes in, like as a sin and like how, I don't know how the patriarch is somehow convoluted that, but then also in our modern day world and culture and yoga and the consumerism of, you know, like all of the, just the mayhem around it where like the men are just you know you're not allowed to fuck anybody and like the women are like we just want to be naked <laughs> you know like it's like so interesting and so I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are well there's a lot there i mean uh, i mean i don't know where to begin but like mary magdalene is um a great mystic you know and and how you interpret her is is in a way up to you i mean you're right um mary magdalene as seen as a prostitute happens around 600 something i think it was one of the popes gave a talk or something and was like kind of made this decree that that's actually who she was hmm. um so that comes much later i mm -hmm. as far as i know as her role now some you could say the other side be like well we want her to be the prostitute because yeah. like she should have a right because like sex work is work you know and and I agree <laughs> with that too so there it really depends like where you're coming at it from you mm -hmm. know um, but she is a mystic and she was right there with Jesus from the beginning more or less and she's mm -hmm. in depending on which story you read which book you're reading you know she's the first to to see the risen Christ you know and she's the one that people don't believe her and she has to tell people that this is true. This happened. And mm. Jesus presents himself first to her. Um, that's significant. I mean, that is significant. If everything is significant in the story, then the fact that he presents himself first to Mary, at least in one of the, the texts mm -hmm. is significant, you know? Um, so yeah. And her name, you know, I, I don't know how, how much you or your listeners know this, you know, her name is thought to come from t the tower Magdala, I think has something to do with mm. tower, like a lighthouse kind of thing. So if we read the names, um, if we read it, the names as uh, what's the word, like archetypes or icons or things, you know, her, her whole thing is like the lighthouse, you know, mm. just kind of show the way in a way. Mm. Um, 
But then as far as sin, I mean, sin to me is one of the most interesting subjects. I love talking about it because, Ooh, yay. <laughs> because, because we, we understand it very differently than it was understood at that time. So the word sin in the Bible, um, I wish I had my notes in front of me, but like the word sin in the Bible is used in very different ways. The most common way it's used, and it's a wonderful thing, is um, to miss the mark. Mm, yeah. So it's it's a related to this. Yeah, it's this idea of like shooting an arrow and and missing the mark. Mm -hmm. So sin has this very kind of, um, you know, when we if you pray to like help me with my sin or whatever, um, it means help me when I'm trying to do something that I know is the right thing to do and I keep missing it. Like help me get on the right track. Mm. It's not like a it's not like a static thing. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was rarely used in the Bible that way as like, mm -hmm. a, it was more like an intention. Like it was, mm -hmm. that's why there's so much p pity towards people who are sinning and less like mm -hmm. you're awful. It was more yeah. like help this person because this person is trying and not succeeding at what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, so much so more compassion. A ton. I mean, that's why that's, you uh, know, the, so whole, yeah. I mean the whole, the books when read, correctly i think you know what i believe to be correctly right. is extremely compassionate it's tough love in a mm -hmm. lot of places but it's love nonetheless you know um you know you know when jesus says like you know i didn't come to hang out with you know the saved i came to hang out with the sinners because the doctor goes to those in need like mm -hmm. that's the message right mm -hmm. like now every time i even have a hard time saying sin and sinner because it's been so intensely mm -hmm. ingrained even knowing this stuff, it's been ingrained in my head that like, that is like a dirty, evil kind of word. Yeah. Um, but even when I do like the Hail Mary, you know, pray for us sinners, I always say pray for us who miss the mark. You know, I yeah. just, I just throw that in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, this idea of being among the people who are trying and not succeeding or whatever is a really amazing thing, you know, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, that's why it, when it's so that you can look at it being like no person, you know, when they say no one has no sin or original sin or something like that, mm -hmm. it's made out to be so intensely negative mm. when actually it's the human condition is to mm. like attempt and to fail and to attempt again mm. and to, you know, to try make effort. That's a human right. thing. Right. You know, but it's been so interpreted to be like, oh, you're born dirty and you're born this. Right. It's like, no, you're born with, with flaws. Right. Flaws, again, what's a flaw? But like you're born with like this attempt to be something and to struggle towards it, you know? Totally. Um, and the nature of, of, of missing the mark, you know, or it's yeah. like I found in, and I find in my own experience of like, the amount of suffering, and I remember like Marianne Williamson, who like teaches a lot of the course on the Course in Miracles. I'm sure you know she. Mm -hmm. If those of you listening don't, but I love her. Um, but anyway, she you know talked about it once, and it was so was so resonated with me around, you know that like God isn't like doesn't punish us because we punish ourselves usually. <laughs> like when we like you know, and I've had that experience of like you know we make a mistake, and it's like the amount of suffering that I've caused myself 
around like feeling guilty and blaming and you know it's like that did in the end I and does not that because like I'm here I still am doing it but it, it has brought me so much deep connection in a way like in a because suffering like in any spiritual tradition is also a part of the human condition like we suffer you know and that's how to what do we do with the suffering you know and hmm. yeah i'm just it's really i really i'm glad that you um i mean the suffering is the is the teacher i, I mean i it is really suffering is a is an intense teacher but a teacher and probably the teacher for most people yeah <laughs> you know it, it doesn't get more in your face than when you're going through a period of suffering totally um and if yeah, i want to give everyone like a suffering permission slip like i want you to tell us about <laughs> tell us about suffering oh yeah i mean that's the whole journey that's the whole deal i mean <laughs> every tradition i've ever come across discusses suffering as um as the place it is like where the work gets done if you're willing to go there you know mm -hmm. and you can relate to it and you can move with it a little bit mm -hmm. um yeah i mean you have to suffer <laughs> i don't mean like you have to suffer like go to jail i mean like right. suffering is a human condition it comes from the fall the whole story of eden is about that you know is about that first form of separation um you know that's what that's about you know and it's not it's a it's it's the story of the human condition that mm. the human puts a puts a separation between itself and true nature whatever mm -hmm. and in that that experience is suffering mm. you know and then out of that comes love and then again you love because you suffer you know it's yeah. they're very very closely related it's and so true and it's so hard in the moments of suffering to like really feel like it's like these blinders go on and you know it's it's just so interesting to me how yeah what is it i mean suffering is literally the pain felt from lost love of some nature whether it's a breakup mm -hmm. so if you look at it just a breakup mm -hmm. you know like the suffering is intimately intertwined and related to the fact that you are suffering because of the intensity of the loss of what love is mm. that is that is suffering is like the experience of separation yeah so it's connected they don't come it's not like oh you, you know people you could have like a you know some quip on instagram it's like you know yin and yang or like love without <laughs> suffering it's like no they really are related Intertwined. Like they, do, they do not you know they are because of the other mm. um you know emotional love there's of course love love you know. right um, but why do you yeah. think it's so hard for so many i'm like i'm making a, gen a broad generalization assumption right now but why do you feel like it's so hard for us to to feel like okay about that like i find so much of the things that i need affirmation for from my friends you being one of them and and that i hold space for with you know my students for example is just that is the permission to suffer and it almost immediately because i've had a like tiny bit of experience of suffering and moving through it and suffering and moving through it and suffering and moving through it and, and, moving through it and losing and loss and you know doing it like a few times and so 
it almost uh, it can immediately bring you into the love again, you know, but it's like, it needs to be acknowledged or something. And well, something's no joke. It's no joke. Like we can talk about it being, you know, well, you have to go through the suffering and it's important mm. to suffer, but in the state of suffering, it is right. literally the worst possible experience you can have on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like in, that, in those moments, yeah. in those moments of suffering, it is like, this is the worst thing you could possibly go through. Yeah. So like, but that is what it is. It, yeah. is lit- it is literally the worst thing because love is the greatest thing you could go through. So like <laughs> you have that to, to lose that. Yeah is the greatest loss, you know? So it is going to experience that. So who wants that? No one wants to go through that right. at the time, maybe. Right. But if you can bring some witnessing to it, some sliver of distance between you and the experience, you can, you can, you, you, it can become the practice at the time. Mm. I would say most of the time it is not. It's just you're immersed in it and it's just like, get me the fuck out of here. But there are moments when it can literally be, and those who are well-versed in it, mm-hmm. they can actually sit in it and let it burn up all the old karmas and all the old stuff. Mm-hmm. And that suffering, you know, that's the story, um, you know, Ram Dass, speaking of him, tells about like um, Maharaji, you know, the woman comes to Maharaji and says, oh, Maharaji, you know, I'm, I suffer so much, you know, I'm such pain. I suffer so much. And Maharaji looks at her and says, Oh, I also suffer so much, but he's, he was saying it like it was a good thing. (laughs) You know, those kinds of people, you know, are able. And it's so, and it's, so you just, it's totally, thank you for telling that story. I love it so much. Uh Just, and just so much of like why it's like, we think that we will have gotten somewhere when we stop suffering, which like, it, yeah, it's just so, it's like, where are we going? <laughs> I don't know any, any, any person that I've ever met who is worth their weight in anything spiritual has, has, you look into their eyes and you can see that they have suffered on some level, whether it's just heartbreak or mm-hmm. growing up or whatever it is, you can see that. Mm-hmm. And those that haven't, those that haven't embraced that or, or come to terms with that are the ones that I find very thin and untrustworthy. Mm. because through suffering you gain empathy hopefully yeah um you know and you gain humility hopefully. yeah i was actually used with my mind <laughs> right. it may be even more important you know there's the humility there to say like when someone is suffering to not give them some sort of quip answer of like you know some sort of spiritual answer it's like mm-hmm. no it sucks <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's hard and you know, it's, it's there for a reason in part. You know. mm. Yeah. I was going to ask you about humility. I, I, I want to, I'm trying to pare down the things that I want to ask you because <laughs> for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you your, you teach yoga. Yes. I do. Yes. I want to ask you why and what you love about teaching yoga or why you teach yoga. Um, well, I, I think, so I, te- I 
yeah okay so i teach students individually um so i teach them not privately but like in a group setting where they learn the practices individually. and you have a studio and i have a little little place where i do that sure. um why do i do that i mean i think well i do it because i think it works i i have direct mm. experience of it and i think it's this these postures when done in a certain way can elicit certain experiences that mm -hmm. can create a that experience in the body that I think is very beneficial to spiritual growth or work. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, so, and that I, I have yet to find anything else that I have physical, a physical practice that I've ever found that can, can compete with that mm -hmm. or compare to that. So, so I know it to the degree that I know it and I teach people what I know. So mm -hmm. that's why I do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, I have just seen students who really put the time in just, just change. I don't know what their personal life is because I don't get to see that, but I can see their, how they change in the center, you know, mm -hmm. in the center where I teach. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there's nothing that compares to it as far as a physical practice goes. Um, yeah. And all the traditions have some physical element to them. I don't know yeah. any that doesn't um, have something you know, that's supposed to be bowing or prostrating or whatever. Yeah. That, that doesn't involve the body in some way. But yeah, the yoga asanas are key for me. Awesome. Key for me. Yeah, if you, believe, if you believe that there's substance within you that can get blocked and, and you know, prana or chi or, what, you know, spirit or whatever, if you, if you understand that there are ways in which it can get bunched up, then you can do these methods that can free those areas so that it flows more freely throughout the body, which allows you to have a more comprehensive experience of yourself and your surroundings and things like that. You know? Yeah, I was because you also um, do body work and you're coming out with a book on, on, on acupressure, yeah? Yes, that is true. Mm -hmm. So what is the, yeah, do, do we tell us a little bit about that and just well, that connection of the body to spirit? Sure. And, because, you know, there's also like, plenty of people out there that practice yoga that don't have that experience too you know so i'm always sure. curious like what what is that you know because i experience asana in that way and didn't but didn't always and you know so i guess there's two i mean i yeah i wouldn't say that like every time i practice i'm having like a spiritual experience necessarily. yeah you know it's because and i don't even care like yeah i i don't have to worry about that like i know mm. that the, the, the effects it has on the body will yield mm. what i want it to yield more or less mm -hmm. you know yeah. um and that's all i care about so like i really don't need anything else added to it i don't need to chant while i'm doing it i don't need to mm. think a certain way i know like i take a very kind of pared down vision view mm. of what the practice is and to me it is truly about the body mm -hmm. like there are people who say it's not about the body. It's about spirituality or whatever. Right. And I think that's fine. I actually think it's actually about the body. I think yeah. it's the body is a, is a something that needs to be worked with. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's the opposite of being, it's like not the opposite, but it is, um, it is about the body. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and then the body work, you know, working on other people, I think is um, for me, has really shown me how important it is to have other people do things to your body to help you better function. Hmm. Because there's also this idea you can swing the other way, which is like, I'm self-reliant. I don't need anything. I just do my yoga practice. And like, if, if that doesn't heal it, then 
I don't care, you know, whatever's going on in my body. Mm -hmm. But actually we're social beings and like right back to the apes, you know, there's people, I mean, animals grooming each other and helping each other physically. Mm -hmm. And I think body work is that, is a, is a more mm -hmm. elaborate maybe form of that grooming yeah. where it's like your shoulders messed up let me help you put it into a state where it can heal itself. Mm. Well, the body always does the healing. Yeah. We just recreate the conditions where the body can do that. That's for every medicine, whether it's NyQuil or Chinese body work, it's all creating conditions where the body can heal itself. Mm. Um, totally. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah. So, so the body work for me is just like the expression of a thought on that level. It's just the expression of, um, admitting that we are social and that other people can help us do things that we couldn't do ourselves. Yeah. And can like that connection and that like relationship and, and um, that intimacy and that I feel like the thing that uh, it can be so hard to, to, it can be so hard to not feel, I think in our world, like we're not like we're supposed to, be able to do it all on our own or something, you know? And that quality and that aspect of like receiving even, you know, like for me and like body work and like having people work on my body, like, I mean, that shit has saved my life like many times. And like, I mean, I feel really fortunate that I've been able to, you know, have that experience a lot. And I also just like, in the years of, of changing and growing so much or, and in my years of practice too, like with meditation and on like a spiritual level, it's like that literally will like keep me in my body. Like in moments where, I don't know, there's like an intense thing happening and I'm like kind of might be like feeling like I'm losing my mind. And it's like, well, if I can just, even if I didn't have a lot of money and I would just go to the, get acupressure for fucking $12 or whatever, you know what I mean? At the, place down the street and like there's something would happen where like that like that would bring me or that would bring like some reality back to what was what was really going on you know mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's where the physical practice too is like it, it is really um really important um in that sense yeah and 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 this culture unfortunately has sort of relegated body work and things like that to uh, uh, to the luxury field or the service industry not really service industry but, but although it is that too but right. um to like kind of like these are things you do to pamper yourself or something right. when actually there are things you should be doing all the time like yeah. your partner or like a group of friends yeah. or something should have some understanding of how to like work mm -hmm. a shoulder or work a neck so yeah. that like you can just be like hey can you work on that and then they can do that yeah and um, to not be touched is like very like i love what you said about like how primal it actually is to be touched and groomed and you know i mean i was a hairstylist for so long and like having like being in that field of energy and like how crucial that is like i went through a period of time where it was like I had like no touch. And I also was like, just in like one of the hardest moments in my life where I wasn't taking that step to like, go get a mat. I, like, I just didn't do anything for like however many months it was like six months or something. And I just remember like how isolating, like how intense to like never be touched. Like it's, it's almost like crazy. It's just like not human, yeah. you know? 
I mean, it's <sighs> integral to, I mean, you, they, they, there's all studies about like children who aren't touched and how mm -hmm. they like develop illnesses and um, their growth rates are very different and they don't mm. uh, actually, their body doesn't evolve in the correct way and they don't create you know, antibodies. I mean, there's all sorts of research on how touch mm. from other people is, is like integral to our health yeah beyond just as infants you know yeah um so yeah you know um it's it's a necessity it's it's a necessity yeah you know so give your friends a foot massage and ask them for one <laughs> yeah exactly exactly wherever you're going next ask exactly. your coworkers and get fired yes. but um <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i want to I, I i remember you posted this video on instagram and i was like yes Mm -hmm. A lot more of that. Um, okay. And you're talking about um, anger and you're talking about what's underneath anger and you're just, you know, really just sharing about, cause this is something I'm super interested in and I hold a lot of space for other people for, even though half the time I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> it comes up and I'm like, okay, I'm mm -hmm. still loving you. I have no idea. But mm -hmm. you know, and I like, you know, hope and I make sure they have like therapists and stuff too, but cause I'm not a therapist, but anyway, um in the process of healing and transformation like the work that i do it's like the emotional body which i feel like has been ignored in some systems and even in my path of yoga of of um spiritual connection and healing has been ignored you know it's been like really like my emotions were kind of like well you need to you know shift your state out of the emotion you know and so which worked depending on who I was around. And if I was in and around an energy that was able to help me do that, but then it really crashed and burned for me <laughs> at one point. And that's when I became aware of how important it actually is to integrate our emotional body into our experience of spirituality and being a human and, you know, walking the paths that we're all, you know, walking to be conscious and more compassionate and loving people. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'd love to hear just a little bit on me and particularly anger. Cause that's the thing that I feel like is so like in the yoga studios, it's like, you know, we can't be angry. Like, I just love talking about anger. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Anger is, anger is great to talk about. I mean, um, yeah, first, any, anyone who tells you that the emotional experience is a lesser form of human experience is just uh, totally full of shit and like totally not, um, totally frightened of the mm -hmm. emotional experience, which is, a, which is a, a very intense experience, but it's an absolutely natural experience and it is your right as a human to experience the uh, full spectrum of human emotions. Yeah. Um, now, what you do with them is yeah. like is up right. to you, you know. Right. Um, but that said, um, so yeah, you know, emotions. I mean, to me, this is how I understand them and kind of relate to them. There's there's no real hierarchy to them. It's like they serve functions. They they're what the the work that I've done has always been about emotions being sort of irrational responses, not irrational like I'm crazy, but like non-rational responses to stimuli. So something happens in the house and your apartment or whatever, and like, uh, or you get a phone call and an emotion comes up and it's tied to so many things that are related to that. Um, so to be able to witness that emotion and recognize, okay, I'm now coming into the state of anger. Mm. You know, you can, that's that distance I mentioned before. You can put a sliver of distance between you and the emotion. You're, you're able 
to experience the emotion for what it is. So when anger comes in, you know, you can be like, if you're savvy, you can be like, okay, I am having an angry experience right now. Right? It's not even yours. It's just, it's the emotion of the room or whatever. It, you know, it erupts from somewhere that precedes you. Mm -hmm. So, but anger serves a very interesting function, like in a lot of ways. A lot of times anger is the thing, anger is a great way to put distance between you and the subject. Mm. So, because it is loud, it is abrasive, it is possibly frightening to the other, say there's another person you're angry at, it's maybe frightening to the other person. So it it, it creates (laughs) distance, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's very protective. Like anger is very protective, you know, of yourself in a lot of ways. It's like mm-hmm. you get, you know, you're, you're, you're almost trying to push someone away from you with the volume of your voice if you're yelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, that's good to know. Like what anger can tell you in that moment is that I actually need to back up, step back. I'm trying to create space between me and this other person, for example. Yeah. And then you can actually go and look through what's behind it, what's underneath it. But it's a great, I mean, I should say great, it's not fun, but it's a very intelligent response to mm. something that's intense. Yeah. You know, um, and, and it often trigger, it can trigger anger in another person. And then you're in that situation, which is just in and of itself crazy. But um, now you're both angry. Um, so now you both walk away, you know, so, so it serves a function. Um, and if you can roll with that, then you're on good ground because mm-hmm. anger, I think when you look through it or behind it will, will lead you into places you didn't know were there. Mm-hmm. Um, they all will. I mean, all the emotions will, but, but mm-hmm. anger in particular is a pretty um, colorful one to say the least. What you do you know? feel like is, is typically through, like if you go through it in your experience, what have you discovered? Oh, it's almost, I mean, in my experience and everyone else's experience I've ever been in contact with, it's almost always fear because most mm-hmm. things are. Um, yeah. Embarrassment, fear of being seen or being vulnerable. Um, it's usually that. So mm-hmm. like the example I often give is like the, the parent who, the child, who's, they're online at the bank and the child has an ice cream cone and drops the ice cream cone and the parent gets mad. Well, nothing's really happened there that's particularly terrible, mm-hmm. you know, um, someone can come and just clean it. But the parent probably feels some sense of embarrassment um, that now someone's going to have to clean that they're, that they're going to clean up after their child. Mm. And now that parent probably feels like other people are looking at him or her. Mm. Um, and so now they feel seen and they feel, you know, it's that. So anger is just the, the sort of frontline response, mm. you know, quick, you know, to shut it all down. <laughs> you know, shut the situation down. But really what's behind it is like embarrassment and vulnerability and things mm. um, and fears yeah. as roots of all that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not to be judged. Certainly not to be judged. Mm. What's to judge? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've never met a holy person who doesn't experience emotion. Mm. And anger is usually the one I've often seen. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, you know, I, if you go, you know, you look around and you see like sadhus and stuff like that, or videos of, you know, the Kumbh Mela and stuff, you know, what you see is a lot of joy and a lot of anger. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, 
That's um, definitely been my experience. Yeah, you know. Like, but I think that's part of why, like, I'm super interested too, though, and like, like in that not being the, and not that like there's a a perfect way of dealing with things. I mean, there never is, you know. But I'm still interested in like, what do I do with this, you know? And like, right. Well, what yeah. do you do with the emotions? Yeah, and like, just I just mean in those moments of like, because that's apparent to me too. There's like a lot of joy and a lot of ecstasy and a lot of you know, and then there's like a lot of anger and there's a lot of rage and you know, these are these like, and so you know, that's part of why I'm I'm interested in not just that fact, which I I had a lot of experience with, but also how do I effectively get closer to somebody in those moments, you know, because. Um, or closer to myself, I guess, is the thing. But then in relationship, how, you know, like that's just such an interesting thing to me of like navigating it. And I think what you're sharing is really useful in, in, the, in terms of like really just having more awareness around it, you know, and around where it's coming from and what is the root and what is the desire, you know? And I kind of, I wanna, it's something that I've wanted to ask you of like, for me, oftentimes it feels like the desire to be seen because I oftentimes when I feel angry <laughs> and I'm in relationship to another person, I guess, depending on who it is, but there's been many times where I want to get closer. So it's like, if this gets into like attachment theory, like a bunch of other stuff that we don't have time to talk about right now, but it's interesting because like that experience of me wanting to get closer and like two people, and then if the other person's triggered, their response is for sure to get far away from me. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like an interesting, uh, it's, it's, it's just an interesting thing that I'm kind of in the midst of the ev like of evolution of, or in the midst of the discovery of right now, it feels like. Um, and so I feel like what's underneath that is just really wanting to be seen like that, that feeling of vulnerability of, of me. Like I can almost like cry, like just thinking about it of like, just like wanting somebody to like witness like what's underneath it. Cause even in these moments, like a lot of the time I'm aware, like I might still be having it, but I'm like, I know that I don't really like that there's something underneath this. that is just like wanting to be seen, you know, and wanting to not be left, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, so it's interesting. And I guess like, <laughs> no, I'm like, we're having, thanks for the therapy session, Bob. But like, I'm also interested in what, um, what helps you feel seen, you know, like, or what does it feel like to you when somebody sees you and like, and you are in that, you know, in that like deeply vulnerable and open place, like, what does that feel like to you? Or what does that look like? <laughs> what is it? What does it look like to me to be seen? Yeah. What does it feel like? Mm, I mean, it's complicated. I mean, I think, um, that you know I, I think that's very different for very different people because mm -hmm. it depends on how you were raised you know if you were raised in an environment where being seen was an extremely rewarding experience mm -hmm. then being seen is something you might feel very comfortable with mm -hmm. if you were raised in an environment where being seen was very uncomfortable or embarrassing like maybe you played a musical instrument and like your your parents had you do it on Thanksgiving in front of everybody and they all laughed, like, for example, I'm, right. you know, we're making this up, but like that would imprint something. Yeah. You know, and, and then it doesn't mean that you're going to turn into like a recluse, but it, it could also manifest a different way. You know, mm -hmm. you could just keep challenging it and like needing to be seen and that in your drive to be seen might be 
overemphasized because of how little you were. Or you could just go into this recluse model where you're just like, I don't, that's a dangerous place. Yeah. So it really changes for different people. I mean, for me, um, you know, I was, you know, kind of like an odd person in my family because I think in part because I was adopted so young um, at like 10 weeks and stuff. And I was always just very different than them. You know, I had different interests and stuff and I had my, I had a lot of cousins and stuff who I got along with all of them fine. You have siblings? Um, uh, step siblings. Okay. Um, but uh, so I had a relatively healthy environment, but you know, I definitely felt like, oh, I'm kind of the weird one here. And then we would even make jokes. My mom always still to this day is like, oh, you're so weird. You know, like, yeah. why do you have that yeah. beard? You know, all these kinds of things. <laughs> um, so it's very like humorous. Yeah. Uh, but I think that also created in me like, um, you know, some sort of, I wouldn't say uncomfortability, but like, you know, I would say that being seen is not a neutral experience for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I play with it. You know, there's yeah. times when I really, really like it. And there's times when I really have just like kind of cut off. And that's, that's everyone. But, yeah. um, but I would say that, you know, whatever being seen means it, for me is, is a bit, you know, it's uh, not neutral. You know, it's, it's one or the other and right it's, kind of it's, it's changing it. and it's moving according yeah. to where you're at and yeah yeah um but that's you know i think for a lot of people that's a lifelong <laughs> it's a lifelong yeah un- unpacking yeah for sure you know, if you're into that, you know yeah yeah, yeah. so mm-hmm. our time is up oh okay <laughs> um cool. so I would love to just close the session with just um, with us just closing our eyes just for like a minute. Okay. Are you cool with that? Sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, so if you're listening, those of you listening, if um, you can find a comfortable seat and close your eyes, as long as you're not driving, obviously. Um, And if you're driving, you can just kind of listen and we'll just, just tune in um, inside for a minute. So, You can find a comfortable seat and let your eyes come closed. Just take a moment, feel where you're sitting. You can feel your seat on your couch or your floor or wherever you're sitting, your car seat. Just bring your awareness into your body, your legs, your hips, your butt, your feet. And then take a breath right down into the center of your chest and just bring your awareness into your heart. And just take a moment just for this last moment and just feel the part of you that can't be seen but can be felt. And see if you can connect in this moment to all the other souls or that part that's in all of us that can't be seen but can be felt that can be 
experienced in some way. And just let yourself really like soak that feeling up. The part of us that is all the same. The same even as the vibrations and the sound of that bird. Just take an extra breath and just open yourself up to everything that this moment right now has to offer you. And we'll send this love and this awareness out to all beings. So all beings that are suffering, including us, can open to the experience of love and being loved and being held. and sending gratitude. And just feeling the preciousness of your own life. And then you can take a breath and let your body move and your eyes open. You can give yourself a hug if you feel inspired. You hug it out. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. I love you. Thank you, Adriana. It was so nice. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Sending you lots of love. I'm really grateful that we got to connect. And I, I'm so excited to learn more from you and to get your book. When's your book coming? Uh, the fall. Sometime in the fall. Cool. What's it called? It's called Press Here, Acupressure for Beginners. It's a very beginner's guide to just working points on the body. Ah, it's going to spread so much goodness. I'm so happy that you did it and doing it. Yeah, thank you. Um, and then, yeah, is there a, do you have a website or is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? I mean, if people are interested in, in this stuff that I do and, and that kind of thing, there's, um, I really just use the Instagram page to talk about those things. So that's the new old traditions uh, Instagram page. Yeah. And then that's all one word. And then the Ditmas Park Yoga Center, I'm sorry, Ditmas Park Yoga Society is where I teach yoga and the school that I run. So um, amazing. Yeah. They can check the both of those out on Instagram. Yeah. And what about your writing? Is there anywhere that you would send? Um, the writing, you know, I haven't done a ton. I mean, I've done a ton, but not necessarily like online and stuff, but the, yeah. um, you know, there's the old Babarazzi website that yeah. I used to do. There's not New York. Uh, there's a site called notnewyork.net, I think it is. Or uh -huh. look it up somehow. And that was a site I did about um, a lot of writing on like spirituality and esoteric stuff in New York City. Cool. Uh, Babarazzi was a, about um, the commercial yoga culture. So did a lot of writing on that. So you can yeah, that yeah. That's, that's still up. Um, so yeah, that's where I do that. And right now I just put most of my writing on Amazing. Awesome. Mm -hmm. cool. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah. Bye. Bye.